Pulse? No problem. We're the Disenfranchised Podcast. That podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me today, a very special treat, we have the nation's foremost Groucho Marx impressionist. It's Brett Wright. Hey, Brett. Hello, Stephen. How we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing all right. I mean, it's funny that you make that reference because anybody to watch the movie don't get it. Correct. Hey, That's Groucho how you know I did my research. In the movie, there's the photo and then there's the poster. The duck suit poster. Yeah, but yeah. it's, you know, the character of Groucho. Yeah. Well, and I found out about the Groucho character after I watched the movie. Right. So I didn't even clock those things because why would I? Sure. And we will we will also be talking about Felix, so get ready for that. Buckle up. And uh Good also me. joining me today, as always, my other co-host who has skin that's so soft, like a woman. What is he, a vegetarian or something? It's Tucker. Hey Tucker. Hi Steven. How's it going? It's going, buddy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well this evening. I'm glad um, to hear that. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. Everything's good. And uh, tonight we are talking about a movie demanded. I, I'd say demanded. That's probably a bit too harsh. Um, requested. That's a word reserved for me, I think. Re- I think so. Requested ad infinitum by one of our listeners, uh, Mr. Norvin Klein. Norvin, this one is for you. Uh, gentlemen, Brett, let's let's go with you because we don't. We don't have you on as often as we used to. What movie are we talking about tonight? We're talking about Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. We are talking about the 2010-2011 Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, uh, directed by Kevin Monroe, uh, written by, oh God, who was who wrote it? Uh, Thomas. That other guy. Thomas Dean Donnelly and Joshua Oppenheimer based on the comic by Tiziano Sclavi and starring Brandon Routh, Anita Bream, Sam Huntington, Tay Diggs, Kurt Angle. It's true. It's damn true. It's damn true. Uh, Peter Stormare. Uh, what a cast. Gentlemen. What a picture. Yeah, man. I was not expecting Kurt Angle in this movie. Um I, was there. I, it took me till the end of the movie to realize who that was. I was like, who is this guy? I know I've seen him in shit. Uh, it's wow. Kurt Angle. Yeah, former Olympic gold medalist, former very popular professional wrestler, Kurt Angle. I um I was on a, a series of message boards in my high school and college days uh, where Kurt Angle was literally just a punchline. Um and um, it got to the point where you couldn't even mention Kurt Angle on the boards without getting a lifetime ban. Uh, it was it was pretty intense. Damn. What yeah. they have against Kurt Angle? The man is an I, American hero. I don't think it was the Kurt Angle specifically so much as the trolls who were doing the Kurt Angle bit. And then like anyone who even like someone could innocently go on and just ask, hey, who's Kurt Angle? And they would get banned like it was it was a whole fucking thing. I don't know half of it. I was not involved in it. Some people I know were, but that's about as far as it went. So, yeah. Okay. Word. Sure. But yeah, there you go. 
he was a little bit past my time. He was around when I near the end of when I originally stopped watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew of him in his early days in the WWE. Still F at the time, I believe. Um, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, this is a kind of a companion episode, I guess, to our episode from last year on uh, the 90s film Cemetery Man uh, in a very bizarre kind of way. Yeah, supplies. I, who supplies! Not me. Because And they come out of the closet, when but it's, of, it's Cooney and, and his yeah. karate class. <laughs> It's only a little racist, but no, it's wholesome racist. There's a difference. (laughs) Well, no, if that's you know what, I'm not going (laughs) to acknowledge it. Let's just move on. This is why we can't have nice things, Tucker. (laughs) This right here is why we can't have nice things. You guys, come on, it's fun. Send your, hate mail, att- send your hate mail attention tucker to disenfranchpod at gmail.com George Carlin would have approved and that's kind of where I set my you know moral barometer on that kind I of mean, stuff I mean it's easy to say he would approve of something because he's dead I guess so because he can't approve anything anymore no because he, he, he's dead he has passed yes unfortunately yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I had never heard of this author, um, until last year when we were working on our cemetery man episode. And, uh, I think at the time we mentioned and kind of brought up Dylan dog a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's hard not to, this is an entire movie based on the character of Dylan dog. Um, which I think is maybe, maybe the most ridiculous name for a, a character ever. I like it. I think it's catchy. It's fun. I mean, yeah. his his last name is taken from an Italian quote, like for a, a, the Italian title of a novel. So like, but it, 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 it loses a little something in translation, I think. I don't know, man. Whenever I think of this movie or whenever I think of the name Dylan Dog, it's, it's sung um, to the tune of Fever Dog from Almost Famous. So in my head, it's always like, Dylan Dog. I'm pretty sure you, yeah. you brought that up before. Probably. It sounds like Probably. something you would do. Peter Frampton funny. wrote all those songs. All the, uh, what's the band's name in that? Stillwater or something? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Wrote all those songs. Yeah, Jason Lee. Billy Crudup. In that band, yeah. Damn. That was, a, that was a good movie, but... A little uncomfortable to watch these days when you think about the ages of some mm-hmm. of those gals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're that age, you don't think much of it. And that came right. out when I was young, that like, age. you know, a teenager or whatever. Right. And, but now watching it's kind of like, ah. Yeah. Ah. That, that the Even though we know dan- it's period accurate. The tiny dancer scene, though. Yeah. Blue Jean Baby, LA Lady, seems just for the band. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And um, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, he's in it. Oh gosh, what's his name? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, no, well, yeah, he plays Lester Bangs. 
Francis McDormand? No. Well, yes, Z- but no. Zoe Deschanel? No. Uh, the dude from Freaks and Geeks. No, the not Freaks and Geeks. The other one. Um, undeclared. The dude from Goon. The dude from uh, Jay Burchell. There it is. Jay Burchell. That's you. If I do this, that's what I mean. So, and if I flail my body wildly, I that see I'm that. About that Jay to Baruchel. me says Kermit the Frog more than Jay Baruchel. But uh, Kermit the Frog is if I <laughs> leave uh, stage left, like <laughs> with like my arms behind me. That's Kermit the Frog. Uh, yeah, Jay Baruchel's in that movie. I, wow, what a. What a lot of time we wasted. What a what a long walk to a really, to really underwhelming Bear payoff. Jay Baruchel was there, for though. what? That's the most, you know, I mean, we got there, the but, at, but at what, what cost, Brett? At what cost? Right? We did not make any friends along the way, Brett. <laughs> well, fair enough, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so, gentlemen, I have like very little exposure to this character, to this uh, comic. I mean, I, I did some research. Not a lot of the original like 200 issue, 300 issues um, have made it to uh, have any kind of English translation at all. Uh, so I'd be hard pressed to, to read them as that is the one language I speak well. Um, but what are our collective, I guess, uh, familiarities with this character? Brett, we'll start with you. Uh, literally zero. Um, yeah, I wish I had more to say, uh, but me too. I was, I was, I, I only knew of. This Don't worry, character. boys, I got gotcha. you. I we know. Uh, That's from, why I started with Brett. Calm down. From trailers and whatnot, and I, I mean, I thought it was cool. I've definitely interfaced with characters like this. Um, like it's such right a, up your alley, Brett. It's right up your alley. Oh yeah, I mean, like this. This there's a lot of parts of this movie that gives very strong. Well, I'd uh, say the premise at least. The premise, yeah, it gives very strong Dresden Files uh, vibes. Speaking um, of which, I'm going to go ahead and just read this straight up out of my Instagram feed. Because friend of the podcast, uh, Norvin Klein, who asked for this episode so many times, actually and did demanded have... that I be on it. He didn't message yes. that you have to be on that episode. So. I, and I, look, I didn't make any promises for your sake because I didn't know how the scheduling was going to work out. But I'm glad we were able to get you down here. Um, he said, I said, hey, we're recording Dylan Dog. What do you want me to ask? He's like, I don't know. And then he was like, oh, question for you to ask Brett. Ask him if he thinks the car Dylan Dog drives is paying tribute to Harry Dresden. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it could. I think it, it definitely vibes that way. Um, for the for the for the audience who may not, or and maybe your co-host who might not be familiar with uh, Harry Dresden, um, it, describe both the car that Dylan drives in this movie and what car Harry Dresden drives in the Dresden Files. Oh, buckle up, boys. Um, so, yeah. um, so in in the Dresden Files universe, Harry being a wizard, um, magic You're does a not. Wizard Harry. Yes, they make they, he he makes that joke in the novel. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. Um, uh, at least I think he does. It's been a while since I read them. Um, 
but magic does not play well with technology post World War II. Mm. Um, so he Harry drives a, a Volkswagen Beetle, um, which he refers to as the Beetle, and it's been. You know, for as long as he's had it and been a wizard private investigator in Chicago, he uh, has had to have it remodeled and repainted and parts replaced. Um, a is like example, the Beetle of Theseus at this point. Kinda, yeah. Um, like a, a a mold demon gets inside of the interior at one point, oh, completely my. destroys it. Um. But so it, it kind of is a mishmash of a bunch of different colors and different styles of door. And like, it's just, is very old school. Um, and Terry has that for most of the series um, until things happen. And then he gets a Munster style, like car. Dragula. Kind of. Yeah. A little bit like that. Um, so, yeah, the fact that Dylan drives a really old car for seemingly no apparent reason, other than he likes older stuff. I was going to say, like, he seems to have, like our friend JP, like, kind of the, the heart of an antiquarian, like, just kind of loves old shit for its own sake. Yeah. Well, spoilers, he's really old. Yeah, which was a lower question I had, but I imagined he is really Dylan- old. Dog is like three hundred years old. Oh wow! Not a thing. This movie. Goes I don't know that. I don't know they ever mention it in this movie, no. which is so weird, because yeah. like they they kind of wrap certain parts of the just maybe some of the production design and some of the character in that lore, but then they never specify. They never come out and say it. Like someone who knows that when you watch the movie, you'll see stuff like, oh yeah, because he's so old, right but sure they, yeah they forget to tell you that like like his affinity for the marx brothers yeah. yeah which is why i would say that it's probably not a dresden files reference just because you know well i don't it fits in with the character yeah. i don't want to spoil it for anyone but he drives the same car in the comic but the mm. colors are swapped instead of black with a white top it's white with a black top mm. oh, okay so yeah okay. So no, I mean confirmed, not a Dresden Files reference. If anything, it's possible that Jim Butcher took that idea from Dylan Dog the other way around. Right. Um, okay. But it, I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, but like I said, this whole movie, this type of character and this type of world uh, is definitely it, it's giving Dresden very much, which is why I liked it. So. Right on. Tucker, regale us. So I saw Cemetery Man on HBO in uh, the very early 2000s. And I liked that quite a bit. Um, there wasn't much internet back then. Uh, but somehow or another, I found out uh, that the author... Uh, whose book that Cemetery Man was based on was also the creator of a comic book called Dylan Dog. So it's always been something I've kind of been aware of since I saw Cemetery Man. Um, and I always knew that the physical representation of Dylan Dog was meant to replicate Rupert Everett. Right. 
Uh, now, when this movie came out, um, Dark Horse or Image? I think it was Dark Horse. It's Dark Horse, yeah. Put out um, some English versions of some of the Dylan Dog comics. Like six issues, I think they did. Uh, they did a couple trades, man. It's a six issue miniseries and a one shot. Is what I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now. Okay, well, they had at least one trade that could that put all that together. Um, and I read through that a bit around the time this movie came out, and um, honestly, like I didn't like I appreciated it, but I think maybe the translation wasn't. It was probably accurate but i don't think that whoever was translating really understood it enough to do more than just like a literal translation Mm -hmm. and it really kind of shows um there's a lot of stuff it's kind of like the subtitles and some of some of the older anime movies and stuff where you're like what like is that even a sentence like what does that mean like um Oh, your mic's off, Brett. Turn your mic on so we can hear you. Shut up. There you go. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. like old school video games were like that. Just literal yeah, translations absolutely. and they didn't know how to translate the context. All your base yeah. or belong to us, etc. Also, in the English versions, because um, they couldn't get the rights to the image of Groucho Marx, they took the mustache off of Groucho and named him Felix. So even the jokes that do translate don't actually make any sense unless you know that that's supposed to be Groucho Marx. Mm. So I'm sure the original comic is fantastic, but whatever that was that Dark Dark Horse put out just was not, I just don't think it was a very good representation of the original art. You know what I mean? Fair. Uh, But I mean, you get a sense of it. And it's very much like uh, the film Cemetery Man. Um, the tone of that and sort of the it's it's very surreal, like that and very existential. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie it, is not a, at all. <laughs> well, it's a lot like if you just mashed those two movies together, Cemetery Man and this movie. You mash them together, you get a pretty good Dylan Dog movie. Now, Francesco, um, Francesco has his own book. Which is, you know, um, the Cemetery Man book, Della Morte, Della Morte, Della Morte, um, which was written by the same author, but was not intended to have anything to do with Dylan Dog. But Dylan, uh, they have crossed over a few times. Right. The character has shown up a few times in Dylan Dog. Uh, So that's a cool deal. So I was way into that, of course, because it was always something that i knew about but never really had any way to consume so when they announced the dylan dog movie i'm like D- who else is asking for this like i know i am but who else is nobody okay that tracks like <laughs> check my notes here not a soul okay i saw dylan dog at the movie theater uh and i gotta say i was so you were the one I was the one that was, I was very underwhelmed at the time, but I appreciated some things about it. Uh, And, you know, 
actually the last time I saw this movie, uh, Paul Dano uh, played the Sam Huntington part. It's crazy. I was obviously in a different timeline. Uh, but I swear it used to be Paul Dano, you guys. I swear. So this is, I mean, that would have been Paul Dano post There Will Be Blood, which feels very unlikely that he'd take a role like this post There Will Be Blood. Well, it's funny you say that, Tucker, because I thought this was a different movie. Because um, I, There's another movie that's sitting in my brain that I thought this movie was, that I'd seen. <laughs> and I don't, I can't for like it. And maybe you guys can help me out. Cause like I didn't tell me about it, Brett. It's cause I didn't, I didn't Google it or anything, but I, the, so maybe you can help. So like, I think, I think it had Paul Giamatti in it and it also had, um, um, what's his name? The Frodo. What's it? What, come Elijah, on. Wood. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Yes. They were in it. Giamatti, Elijah Wood. Okay. And it's like this similar sort of universe with monsters and whatnot. Uh oh 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 fuck oh fuck uh ah Elijah I've been doing Wood. That I know this day. because he was the he was the um he was the gadget guy in that movie. He was the gadget guy. What was it, Stephen? You're looking up. Yeah, Stephen, your Google things, phone is right? better than mine. So I'm gonna. Um... You guys, oh my god, I'm so mad I can't think of what this is. Would it have been around the same time? I mean, Last Witch Hunter, Brett Geisner's Last Witch That's Hunter. what it was. No, That's what it was. That. Elijah Paul Wood Giamatti's is... not in there. He's not. Vin Diesel is. But yeah. Yeah, Elijah Wood it. plays the get his gadget guy. You know, all those movies that got a gadget guy. And I could be misremembering Elijah Wood guy. being in it. The only one that I really remember is Paul Giamatti. Okay, so maybe I'm looking up the wrong person really? here. Uh, future, we hope, Academy Award winner Paul Giamatti. He'll get there. I I hope he. I hope he gets eventually. Year, man. Eventually, he'll just get one by default, like they do sometimes. Where they're You're like, not this wasn't your best performance. John dies at the end. It. Are you? I might what? be thinking of John dies at the end. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's what's his nuts uh, directed that. Uh, fucking. Who directed that, Steven? You're looking at it right now. I'm not looking at it right now. I'm trying to find it yeah. right now. Why are you making me do this, Steven? I'm so mad at you. I got Don it. Coscarelli. Yeah, Don Coscarelli. I just said that. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know. Shout, shout out to all the people that were screaming this at their device. Phantasms, Don Coscarelli. Bubba uh, Hotep's Don Coscarelli. Yo, in case you guys need them, Phantasm and Phantasm 2 and also Ravager are on my voodoo. The rest are I have streaming on one of your services. I was going to say, I have never seen uh, Phantasm 2 streaming anywhere, so that is good to know. Well, bitch, I own it, it is, so... It is the only reason I have never done a complete Phantasm watch through, because I cannot fucking... Now you don't Phantasm have an excuse, anywhere. dude. Get on that shit right now. Well, now I've got too many other excuses, like, you know life being keeping me busy boo i don't see elijah wood in this movie but you know who i do see and john dies at the end brad uh, speaking of phantasm angus scrim yeah dude tall man he is in that movie yeah so i was right i I was imagining elijah wood in that movie but i didn't remember paul giamatti and i don't know why i got it confused with this film um but you know it's uh it's how my brain works sometimes yeah yeah dude 
this is this has been such a weird episode of us randomly trying to remember shit yeah wowzers that's that's great i love Mm -hmm. that this is this is riveting podcasting i gotta tell you that's why people listen right right i hope so um please right (laughs) tucker any other um any other deep background lore on uh, Dylan Dog and or uh, the author Tiziano Sclavi? That's all I know. I never researched it real hard. It was always just kind of over the years I came across bits and pieces. I was able to experience, like I said, the comic a bit when this movie came out. Probably not the best way, but... Right on. And then, like I said, I'm... I'm I, this, this movie's okay. There's some, there's some stuff I like about it. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, dudes. Yeah. Dudes. dudes. Yeah. Dudes. Yeah. Like, so they couldn't do the Groucho character. And one thing I like about it is uh, it's a pretty creative solution. I like I like what they did with the sidekick character, especially with with this kind of world, you know, of monsters and stuff to have him be kind of uh, one of those 80s comedy zombies that can talk you know and stuff keeps falling off and you gotta put it back on uh it was was nice i liked it i like that part a lot yeah yeah one of the things i like something out of my boyfriend's back or uh burying the axe or something like that yeah or currently in theaters lisa frankenstein hey hey i'm gonna go see that you guys i was gonna say i would like to see that straight up go see it Apparently set in the same world as Jennifer's body. Into it. Yeah. We're working on a sequel. That's how that's how sequels get made. Mm-hmm. Sequel to Lisa Frankenstein or a sequel to Jennifer's body? Jennifer's body. Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm into that. Girl, me too. That movie quietly rules. It's gotten a little louder in, in recent years, but damn, that movie rules so hard. Yeah, it really got really got boned on marketing. Yeah, I was kind of surprised no favors. how long it took for that movie to catch on. Yeah. Being, you know, being the trendsetter that I am. Of course. I was, I was kind of down from the beginning and like you you hipster you. I kind of gave gave up. I didn't give up on the movie, but I gave up on it like getting a following for a while and then suddenly I was like, "Yay, finally people are seeing it." Because it's That's, really fantastic, you guys. That is kind of Karen Kusama's whole thing. I'm I'm very sorry to say, like she she'll direct a movie, and it takes a few years to catch on, and then she'll get another opportunity, and people will go, "Well, we don't like this," and then it'll it'll be years and like she is the director of Eon Flux, previous episode of this podcast. Four years after that, the live action gets, one, yeah, with yeah. Charlie Theron. Four years after that, she gets Jennifer's body. And then that one, you know, doesn't go anywhere. So that's 2009. Uh, Another six years, she gets The Invitation, which is a fucking great movie. That is a good movie. Yeah. That movie fucking rules. Not the vampire one, but the, you know, the one with the the dinner invitation. It's so good. Yep. Yep. She does a segment. I haven't seen uh, that one. I've seen the vampire one. Oh, you should, you should see, it, see the, really good. the 2015. The invitation is really good. All right. Check it she out. Does, and then after that, she just does a lot of TV. Chicago Fire, Casual, Masters of Sex, Man in the High Castle. She does a segment of the first okay. XX movie. 
Uh, and then in 2018, she gets Destroyer, the Nicole Kidman movie. And then, like, that kind of doesn't do very that great. So she goes back to TV. And, I mean, she's done a couple episodes of Letter Jackets. But, like, I want... She was supposed to direct a, I think, a Dracula movie. But then that got Ooh. fucking canceled because of the Nicolas Cage one. So... Oh, I did like, like Greenfield, though. Yeah, I think Karen Kusama would have had a, probably a different take. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think she's an incredible director. I just wish people would actually let her direct shit, like, because she's really let good at it. Let the lady direct. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Let Hollywood. her cook. Give a gal some work. Anyway, uh, Plot in 60 Seconds is the part of the show where we recount the plot of the film in 60 seconds or less at the behest, since there are three of us today, of the D6 of Destiny. Um, Brett, you are the keeper of the D6 of Destiny. Uh, remind the audience which of us is assigned to which side, and then roll to see which of us will be recounting the plot of Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. Uh, I believe the constant, because uh, I always forget, but I'm pretty sure the constant uh, assignments are one and two for you, Stephen, three and four for me, five and six for Tucker. I think that's correct. That's me. Yes. <clears throat> All right. All right. We're not going to roll that die. Come on, man. Come on, man. As I was holding it, I Come remembered on, that uh, the company that made that die should not be given any airtime. Um, okay. Do you want me to fight them? I'll fight them, Brett. No, was, you know, there was just some allegations is all about some of the management at that company. I'll um, alligate my foot up their ass, Brett. Tell me where they live. I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, Uh, hot. (laughs) And that's going to be a three. Oh, thank God. That's you, buddy. It is me. I was just, I was going to pass away if it was me. I was just going (sighs) to instantly pass away to avoid it. You were going to Della Morte Della Mort all up in this bitch. I was about to be Della Mort for sure. Uh, all right. Well, let me get 60 seconds on the clock for you, Brett. They are on the clock. I will give you the 30 and 10 second warnings, as I always try to do, unless you just get too funny with it. Uh, and uh, my your time will start when you do. All right. Off the dome like usual. Okay. So Dylan Dog is a private investigator who used to be a spooky private investigator, but he's not anymore because his fiance, wife, girlfriend died. Um, who knows? Uh, and he's got a partner who, you know, wants him to take more serious cases. So a high profile, uh, person gets murdered and she finds his old calling card and, um, then his partner gets murdered and then he has to go back and talk to all of his old friends. He used to be, um, the supernatural middleman and keep everybody in line. Um, so he talks to his old werewolf friend and his old vampire friend and, uh, his, his partner that died becomes a zombie. And then it, it turns out heart of Belial is turned an undead into a big old demon. But actually the girl has been a monster hunter this whole time what? and she dies, which kills the demon. And next well, time. Yeah, sure. Good job. The end. You guys, Marcus, like like Groucho Marx, Marcus. Is, is it that, just me, you guys? Is that what they were going for? I That's don't probably, know. That probably is exactly what they were going for. 
Uh, this movie, look, you guys, I have, like I say, I have trouble paying attention to this movie, but I also respect the shit out of it. It's kind of, I feel uh, very conflicted. My feelings about this film are complicated, is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. No. Mm. Yeah. We'll talk about Mine aren't it. really that complicated. I quite Mine also it, not that complicated. But just because, I mean, just because of the Dresden vibes I got off of it, you know? I'm no. fucking... Ever since that ill-fated Dresden Files TV series, I've been craving a live-action Dresden something. And when something comes close, scratches the itch, I tend to enjoy it more than I probably is this, should. Is this a comic book or something? Is this something I should be consuming? Some form of entertainment? What, what is That's this Dresden thing? Series of novels. Oh. Brett says you should start with the third one. I didn't listen and I got bored, so I probably should have listened. Yeah, some people some people are cool with that. Some people like the first two, but you don't have to. Um, the second one, especially, even I will admit, is boring. Um, but you know, by this by the third one, he hits his stride. Anything you need to know, he covers. So you could skip right to book three. So the first two audiobook. After that, uh, all of them audiobook. The audiobooks okay. are fucking fantastic. They're read by James Marsters, the guy that played Spike. Oh, and Bucky. nice! Yeah, he does a fantastic, fantastic job. He's um, such a nice man. To the point where I like to listen to them more than I like to read them, because he does such a good job. Um, I can imagine, even if he does mispronounce things a lot. But, um, but that's just names and stuff. Not Is like, he mispronouncing you know. them, or are you? <gasps> well, so no, so. In the first two, um, he pronounces Falcone instead of Falcone. And in the third book, he starts saying Falcone. Wait, is this a Batman thing? No, it's just the name of like, well, I mean, he is he's like one of the main antagonists that is like a mob boss in Chicago. Because um, Chicago equals crime. Have they no. teamed up before? Batman and the Dresden guy? No. No, no they're unrelated. I, I'm hey, quite confident you know, that's never happened. Do you know Dylan Dog teamed up with Batman recently? That's a real comic you can buy and read. I, kn- I know that only because you said that in the chat yeah, earlier. That's a true that's, deal. That's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. No, but, Sorry, um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought of that. No, it's fine. And look, Stephen, yes, on the surface, it does come off as Chicago equals crime. But... There's a lot of lore reasons why Chicago is kind of like the epicenter of the supernatural world in America. So ley lines and all sorts of magical lore shenanigans. Sure, sure. H.H. Uh, Holmes, and blah, blah, blah. Also, and also, like the, the Undercity, you know, the Chicago fire that put the like mm-hmm. one city on top of another. So like the Undercity mm-hmm. is where a lot of like the supernatural world lives. Like that part in Arkham City. It's my favorite part of Arkham City when you're in the Undercity. It's yeah. so rad. It's so fucking rad. I had that game, but I lost the I lost the PlayStation in the divorce. That's too bad. Because those games are fantastic. I give you my PS4 if you want it. I'm probably gonna Yeah, dude. Get rid of it. Okay. I'll take it. I move. And there's like a remaster. I don't have that game anymore, but that I can too. probably I'm saying... buy it. So yeah. Yeah, you can buy the whole trilogy in yeah, one package. Like pretty cheap. Pretty, pretty fucking cheap, cheap too. Okay. And they're all fantastic games. All right. Yeah, I'll take that off your hands for you, bud. All right. 
I love this. Yeah. this. This warms my heart. We got to make you a gamer yet, Steven. <laughs> You're going to yeah, try. You could do it, Steven. <laughs> Hand-eye coordination it. still sucks balls. Um, a lot of button mashing. Um, but yeah. No. Um, yeah, my, my feelings on this aren't that complicated either because uh, I didn't like it. Uh, I thought it was uh, thought it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, that, that, to... Don't get it twisted. I didn't love it. The acting is terrible and the pacing is pretty bad. But I really otherwise, wanted, I really wanted to like this. Like I thought the sh- the script was uh, somehow both lazy and overcooked. Like like it's it's like absolutely like lazy, but there's still too much plot, um, as evidenced by the fact that Brett was like slamming on the gas during the last 10 seconds to cover the plot of the rest of the movie (laughs) there are plot details that are like dropped in and then not mentioned for a half an hour and so you think they forgot them and then they brush them they like rush like bread at the end of that plot in 60 to like bring them in again like it it's the, the script is a fucking mess the acting is fairly atrocious the humor is so forth almost as forced as the romantic storyline which yeah i mean that there's no chemistry between the leads no lead up to that whatsoever no like teasing flirting nothing it's just all of a sudden they're like getting naked and you're just like wait what did i miss (laughs) what is going on here you missed nothing no (laughs) like and i mean there are some ideas in here that i thought were pretty fun like the the whole idea of the body shop i thought was like if that was in a better movie or if that was <laughs> yeah. the movie i i would love that like that was just such a fun idea i i i was i, I was wishing it was in a better film i really was i was just like god this is so good why can't this be in something better but and part of me wonders if like setting this film in new orleans as opposed to london kind of hurt i liked the setting actually that's one of the things i appreciated about it was um the kind of creative recasting of the location mm. i thought it was pretty good i liked because i mean you if put not in, a little stereotypical i mean it's a spooky right. town it's a spooky it's old and spooky as shit I mean, New Orleans in some ways kind of becomes the shorthand for like American spooky place, really, in a lot of ways, just because I think of, you know, the voodoo or the voodoo origins of the the area. Um, like, I think a lot of those come into play. And so it just could become shorthand for we need a spooky place in America. It's a spooky place. Ah, it's so spooky. It's pretty spooky. Pretty spooky, Seth. I appreciate the uh, the practical effects in this movie. Mm. Yes, seeing the seeing Belial at the end, all practical, was shocking, but very cool. It was great to see, but I did not really like the design of the monster. I thought it was right. kind of lazy and ugly, but mm-hmm. still, I'm like, it's fucking practical in 2011. So I'll take what I can fucking get. Indeed. Yeah, it, and it's part of the reason why it looks as good as it does. It doesn't look great, mm-hmm. but it looks. I mean, if they'd have tried to do this in CGI, it would look like. Oh my god! Bad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like I mean, this film does like not the have wings any... do at that part, like when they finally do use CGI, and you're like, "Oh, I'm so oh, glad they only used right. it when they had to," because yeah. ooh wee, that looks yeah. bad. 
like all the transformation scenes, like every, you can tell like everybody's wearing makeup. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they use like some CG effects on like the eyes, like when they needed the eyes to change sure, color, yeah. like um, Marcus's at the end or uh, Peter Stormare's when he starts to turn into a werewolf. Um, Peter Stormare quietly the best part of this movie. He's just doing okay. his thing. And he's so underused. It's like a so, fucking shame. It's an Alfred Molina situation. Like once he showed up, I was like, oh, okay. Every scene he's in, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> he's, but he's only in like three. That's the problem. And yeah. those it's are like third billing. It's like, why would you advertise that? And then only give us like 10 he gets, minutes. Of... He gets the and like, and in the end credits, like he gets the and or uh, he gets the with and Tay Diggs gets the end. Sorry. But oh. yeah, Peter Stormare gets the whiff. Like I was like, okay, that's nice. Well, good for you, man. But yeah, like he he's he's really good. But again, it's just kind of one of those performances where you're just like, kind of want there to be more of this. Like this is this is the juice this movie needs, and you're not giving me near enough of it. It did kind of suck watching this because I think Tay Diggs is kind of horrible in this. He's awful. He's very he's miscast. So good in Way of the Gun, and I watched that this week too. So to like kind I, of watch those back to back, it's like ah, this makes I me I watched Chicago so good a couple weeks ago, and he's fucking fun. He's like a like he's a really good charis- a charisma yeah. machine in Chicago. It makes it more frustrating to know that you, you can give a better performance than this, Mister Diggs. Yeah. Why aren't you doing it yeah. now? And and part of me wonders if it's the direction that he's receiving. Um, I think I think it has to have something to do with the direction, or or even a bit with the script, because you can see people in this movie that are trying. Mm-hmm. But they're still not like Brandon Routh and Sam Huntington are trying really hard in this movie, but for not like they maybe still it's suck. Just, maybe it's because I did watch this movie in, in 4K, but I can see them trying like I can see yeah. the effort, um, yeah. particularly Sam Huntington. Like when I say the humor is forced, there's one scene in particular after Tay Diggs throws them in the open grave in the cemetery and like Dylan's like, well, you know, zombies can dig. And he's like, and the joke is that Marcus is going to say no 10 times. That's the joke. He's going to say no 10 times. And then the punchline of the joke is that he does it anyway. Yeah. That's the whole fucking joke. I'm like, this is, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, what the fuck are we doing? I don't. And uh, maybe, maybe some of the Marcus humor would have worked a little better in a different context say if he were groucho marx maybe straight up maybe maybe. (laughs) do you i kept thinking that the whole time i'm like that might have played a little better in that context maybe do you know who the director of this film is tucker oh well of course right off the top of my head i know that it's kevin monroe he's the animation guy do yeah, I was gonna say. Do you know what other movie we've covered that he directed? Uh, no, that I will not pretend to know. Uh, TMNT. He did TMNT. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That one's fun. You Stephen didn't like that one very much. It was. It was. It was fine. I liked it better I was, than this. I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised that you didn't like it any more than you did, Stephen. He also uh, directed a future episode of this podcast, the film version of Ratchet and Clank. We're watching that. Cool. Yeah. 
apparently at some point it's on the list there's a film of that yeah dude came out in 2016 theatrically released film was it live live action it wasn't was it oh no it was animated okay this is kevin monroe's only live action film yeah it didn't do spoilers for the end of this podcast but this movie did not do very i mean i feel like i'm underselling it by saying it didn't do very well like this fucking yeah this i this is one of the one of the worst box offices i've ever seen and i've seen a lot doing we've seen a lot of bad box offices for sure this is this is our 173rd episode so that's a lot of box offices but it still gives off like there's i would not be surprised if there's still like a cult following for this movie it gives off that vibe very strong yeah Yeah. oh i think is this is the kind of movie if this had come out when i was a kid i probably would have latched onto it just because when you're a kid, you don't have as many preconceived notions about like what good art is. You haven't really formed opinions on what is like good or bad. And right. there's you just see a guy really fighting interesting... vampires and werewolves and zombies, and it's the coolest thing ever. When you're there's 10. a lot of interesting stuff in this movie that I would have that would have appealed to me when I was a kid. So if this came out when I was a kid, I would probably, with nostalgia goggles, really love this movie. Uh, as it is, I'd really love it if it were better because there's so mm-hmm. much potential in in the ideas and some of the gimmicks in this movie are fucking brilliant. But instead of calling it Dead of Night, together. instead of calling it Dead of Night, they should have called it Dylan Dog Wasted Potential because that's why don't you just kind call it, of what the movie is. Why don't you just fucking call it Dylan Dog, man? Why is it? Nobody knows who this is. Why does it need a subtitle? Because it's, it's going to be a, Dog. because it's going to be a franchise, man. That's how you know. Uh, they're angling for a franchise is when they give the title a subtitle if that's if how you know title that's how you know that's how you know a franchise is going to fail is if the movie thinks it's a franchise before it even has a fucking movie out that's why we have this podcast Tucker. that's why we're here that's literally why the three of us are talking about this thing we right did it now. we came full circle boys pack it in podcast over all right it's been a blast thanks for joining us on this 173 yeah. episode run um yeah. Good job, we had guys. some guests booked and uh but apparently we're not doing that anymore sorry well yeah you know shut happens. this off shut this all off <laughs> <laughs> shut it down guys shut it down brett's like finally I get to sleep at night now um Hell without yeah. this specter of this podcast haunting my every moment <laughs> um no we're gonna we're gonna stick around for a little bit um but I mean, yes. no, like that's that's a hundred percent what they're what they're doing with the subtitle, um, is is just trying to let you know, hey, we're gonna make a lot more of these, uh, and then uh, basically the population of the planet said, no, you're not. Hey, let's just let's just hope that the TV series will, you know, uh, give some of these good ideas uh, a a good interpretation. Yeah, so let's. Um, uh, so apparently, James Wan announced a um, a TV series, or is going to be produced um, in August of 2018. Uh, as of December 2022, it was still in development. Can we get a de-aged Rupert Everett? And uh, on June 2nd of last year, uh, their uh, announcement was made. It was going to be. Uh, faithful to the comics and that they're going to get ready to start casting. That was last June. This is their, I don't know if this thing will ever see the light of day, but mm, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess I hope so. I know you do. I know you do.
because this is such a small it's just such a small thing it's like one like cemetery man is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. so this by association i want i want it because it's it's a singular thing you know but it could be more so it bothers me like i have cemetery man and i love that but i want more of that kind of stuff and if a dylan dog thing movie or tv show were done in the true spirit of the character boy that would be fantastic like i said it would basically be like this movie and cemetery man smashed together Mm -hmm. and i'm way into that way into that one of the things we lament a lot is what could have been yeah yeah and how cool what could have been would have been (laughs) how bad somebody fucked it up but see, here's the thing. I don't know that I want a sequel to this version of this movie. If it were, I think, truer to the source material, that seems like something more in line with what I would want to, something I would like to watch. But I I don't like this. Yeah. And again, a lot of it is just because I feel like they're trying to cram too many ideas in and they're not doing it well. Uh, I knew pretty much from the jump the script was lazy because they over rely on the voiceover on Dylan's voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. Narration's Um, great when it's done well, but when you fucking lean on it like a crutch, you know, something's wrong. Like when you have to lore dump uh, all your exposition in the narration, because you can't build it into the dialogue, like in a natural way, that's a problem. And this movie does that a lot. I didn't have a problem with that. It's because it's going for a noir feel. That is what it is. but, But then like, they don't really, emphasize the noir elements to the to the full extent that they should like i want i would want to see more like the like the stark lighting of like the film noir um i would love to see like some of those like filmmaking elements folded in i think that would be a really nice touch like maybe if you did the intro or any flashback scenes did those entirely in like the black and white film noir style that'd be really fun and an interesting way to set those apart rather than doing the same flashback two times in a row. Uh, we over explain things. We have one character explain something and then another character explain it again. Um, we don't need to know that like twice. And they show us the same footage both times. Like I think like I can tell they're like definitely trying to like do kind of an homage thing. Like, and then the girl ends up being the villain at the end too, like and that's kind of a play on the femme fatale trope, but there's nothing to prepare us for that. There's nothing to lead up to that. It's just kind of a, Oh, and surprise. Like I figured it out just because when they decide it's Vargas that's behind everything, there's still 40 minutes left in the film. And I'm like, okay, so it's definitely not Vargas then, which is Tay Diggs's character. So I'm like, well, who else is there in this movie? The girl. Okay. It's the girl. Like, I guess she's the monster hunter that we've been looking for this entire time. You know, Steven, you were talking about uh, the noir aspects of this and mm-hmm. how there could have been some cool black and white scenes and stuff. Um, important thing to note, uh, the comic book is black and white. By default. Yeah. That's cool. So that could so, have been a fun homage to the comics as well. Do it sort of like... I don't know, maybe sort of in the style of Sin City, but more surreal, you know? Because Sin City, I mean, Sin City is doing the noir thing, but like cranking it up to 11. But that's that's yeah. Frank Miller's style, though. 
Like that, and it's if you great. read a Frank Miller book, like it's good in those books, but like, yeah, I think it worked well on the big screen in the first Sin City and in 300. And after that, like when we do finally get to talk about the spirit movie, I can't wait. I can't because I know that movie sucks and I'm going to hate it, but it's, I've been so curious about it. It's so bad. It's the it's the movie I came closest to walking out of in my life that I saw in theaters. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so there's that. Can't wait to see it. It's it's awful. It's pretty terrible. The spirit, man. Some people and hear here's it. The thing. Some people fear it. The comic books people just won't go near it. are incredible. Like Will Eisner's comics are incredible. And I'm just like, I know Frank Miller was a fan, but I, I watched that movie and I'm like, where are you actually though? Frank? I don't know. I think I think Frank Miller, um, he's a very unique voice in storytelling and, and uh, comic book making and filmmaking. And I, but I don't think he's the kind of filmmaker that does a good job adapting someone else's material. I, I think he, he wants to do things the way he wants to do them to the detriment of the medium and the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all-star Batman and Robin is kind oh of God. that. That's um, so bad. When that first came out, I bought a couple of those issues and I was like, what the, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, he this did, is awful. It's, it's so it's, bad. It's so awful. Um, there's a, it, he also did like a really racist comic post, um, post 9-11. I believe um, that. That was really insensitive and He's an old timey kind of guy, you know? Yeah. He's a get like, off my lawn kind of guy. So he is. He's that. a crank. He's a curmudgeon. One of my favorite. Not in an I, Alan Moore kind of way, but no, like, more in a Clint Eastwood kind of way. Yeah. Like talking to empty chairs kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Dude. He's there's a. Um, so I bought the Unbreakable on DVD, like and it was like one of the first editions of like when DVDs were new. And so they had like a shit ton of special features and they had yeah. a documentary about comics on the disc. I remember that I had that DVD. Yeah. Frank Miller's going on and on about shit. And you cut to Denny O'Neill, who is like the editor on the bat books for like the entire decade of the eighties. And he goes, now see the thing you got to remember about Frank Miller is he hates superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) And it just made me laugh so hard. Wow. And sometimes that makes for good shit. And sometimes not so much. I mean, he reinvented Batman, but every time he tried to return to that, well, he like poisoned Uh... it like yeah the dark knight returns is not good all-star batman and robin is actively bad it it it's the title that basically made them stop writing all-star books wait i thought dark knight returns was good oh no sorry talking about the sequel to that that considered to be like one of the best comic books no sorry you're right you're right no it's it's a really good animated Dark Knight Strikes too. Back is what I think it there is. There you go. Yeah. Peter Weller plays okay. Batman in the animated adaptation of Dark Knight Returns. It's fantastic. If you guys haven't seen it, um, I think I'm actually I'm sure it's on HBO Max because I saw it when I was going through the DC shit the other day. Dark Definitely Knight, check it. it's in two parts. Dark Knight really Strikes good. Again is the, or DK two. Um, that's yeah. The I read bad. that it wasn't good. It's bad. Well. And I I read it because it's got one of my favorite comic book superheroes in it, 
which is um, Plastic Man, uh, except oh. Frank Miller doesn't know how to write Plastic Man. So oh, he kind of ruins bad. it. Yeah. I, I mean, that kind of tracks, though. I can't imagine Frank Miller would be good at writing Plastic Man. It's a whole tone that I don't know that he's yeah really <laughs> good yeah. at. Yeah, agreed. But uh, cool but, yeah. that he included him, though. You know, like yeah. representation and appreciation for the character—that's rad. Absolutely, like, and it's it it feels more ambitious in a way that I don't think Frank is really capable of handling. Um, another, I mean, if we're looking for stuff Frank did well, uh, his his stuff on Daredevil is formative to that character. Yeah, that's really really good. Actually, I love his run on Daredevil. Yeah, I owned yeah. most of that at one point, and it is is good. It's good comics for sure. Which I think is what they're that I've heard that is what they're adapting into the Born Again series. Here's the thing: every adaptation of Daredevil so far has owed a significant debt to Frank Miller. Uh, on in even one the Ben Affleck one, like yeah. <laughs> there's shit in that movie that's directly from Fair the enough. Frank Miller yeah. shit, right? Like Electra's death scene is that iconic, like bullseye lifting her on the side like that's straight out of miller's book like wish she would have stayed dead mm. what hope oh, hold on we covered electro on, on this podcast actually we're i'm saving daredevil for whenever born again comes out but we are going to cover the affleck daredevil here on this, on this can main we well can we do the director's cut um because the director's cut's pretty okay it's better i think we actually enjoy it we can do the director's cut as an extension of our discussion of the theatrical cut okay well that means we'd have to watch it twice that kind of sucks i mean yeah but well it's two completely different movies though i Um, will i will during that episode i will discuss uh what i like about the director's cut though so yeah that works i'm into it bad meeting over all right so Batman again, like we said, is crossing over with Dylan Dog in the comics. That's pretty rad. We're talking about Batman, right? No, Frank Miller. Miller. We're talking about Frank Miller. Yeah, we can get back to Dylan Dog though. That was just a huge digression on my part, but that's fine. That's that's our thing. It is what we do around here. That's that's why people listen. Is it? Got it. I don't. I honestly, I'm at a point where I don't know why people. I mean, listen I feel I like it is. Like otherwise, we're just three white dudes sitting around talking about movies. You know how many different podcasts <laughs> there are like that? No. But look, we're, we're, we're the, the tangent guys. We got the best tangents. Our <laughs> tangents are tight. Like everybody knows, we have the sickest tangents. Yeah, that's what sets everybody us apart knows that. and what people yeah. like the most. Yeah, dude. That's what brings them back. That's what puts the asses in the seats, Stephen. Yeah, because we set it off like F. Gary Gray. Send us an email and either confirm or deny that's the case. Yeah. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Then maybe we're wrong. Maybe more people would listen if we stopped fucking around. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But then email we us. Be us. At, email at, us this, at this point, we're too far gone. Um, we're not going to change. We just want to know. <laughs> um. Yeah, man, Dylan Dog. Like, I just, I, I, and I, I went into this one kind of excited. Like, I really wanted to, to like this one. It's um, a bad movie you want to like. It really like, is. From the outset, the you're like, boy, I really want to like this movie. But mm. there are some movies in this podcast that I come to, and I, I like, accidentally get a glimpse of like the, the tomatometer score or something, and I'll be like, maybe we can reclaim it though. Like, maybe we can be the guys that are like, nah, this movie's straight up good. Bitch, I do that all the time. And this is, I wanted to do it here and it's just, it's just not, it's just same, 
Same. Every time I watch it, I'm like, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna really appreciate this movie. Particularly this time. I'm just like, okay. Particularly because Norvin was so excited for us to cover it, and I was just like, I want to like it for him, but I, I can't, I can't like it. I'm sorry, man. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little bit of a tucker here and be like, look, I know this movie is not good, but I kind of dig it anyway. No, um, that's rad. I'm way so, in that. And yeah, here's the I, thing. If any of us was going to like it, I had a feeling you would probably be, because it's got all your spooky shit in it. This is my shit. Yeah, this is it absolutely is. my shit. Like, to, to once again invoke the Dresden Files, like, it's it's my favorite book series. It's one mm-hmm. of my favorite, like, IPs. Like, I want to see it done in more ways. Um, and this, this definitely gives very strong Dresden vibes. So I, again, love it more than I probably should. There was there was part of me that was worried that this episode was going to be like Steven versus the co-hosts again. And I was just like, I don't want that to be the case. So I'm glad we can all come to an I accord. Sure. I kind of felt like maybe that was going to happen, too, because I feel like this is definitely Tucker. This is definitely a movie I feel like you would have loved as well. But yeah, I keep telling myself that every time I watch it. How many times have you seen it now? I think this is my fourth time seeing it. I saw it Has... when it was at the theater. I saw it, I rented it when it came out, and then I subsequently watched it on a streaming service a couple of years ago. So I think so four times. Do you find it appreciates or depreciates with subsequent rewatches for you? It stays the same for me. Okay. It really does. I get the same feeling where I'm like, all right, look, I really want to like this movie because there are some parts of it that just really draw me in and like i really love them but it's just not enough every time i'm just it it sucks because i want to love this movie so much but it just and and look if you love this movie um that that's that's great great. look i'm excited honestly like i was saying earlier like the the ideas in this movie and and some of the stuff that goes on in it it's it's really cool and it's really interesting and i feel like you know some people depending on what their interests are that might draw them in more like like with brett like this is right up his alley so even though it's not great he's still gonna dig it more than we do because it like owns the bodega in his alley Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and like yeah if if you like it i i'm i'm really glad i wish i wish i had more positive to say about it for you um but I just I can't be that guy. Uh, I wish I could. I can't. What did list the things you did like about this movie, Stephen? I really liked the body shop sequence. I thought that was really, yeah, really fun. That was uh, yeah, fun. like that. There's there's bits and pieces of this movie like that that are like mm-hmm. this is really good. Why isn't the rest of the movie like this? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even right after that scene where he wakes up in the cart in the grocery store like talking <laughs> yeah. about his arm like that was also hilarious like that was fun yeah <clears throat> but like and the, but then there are like there are bits that go on for too long like the oh worm God, thing yes. just like that's a running gag that could have probably ended right away um and and then there are like elements of the world building that i think like the the diner run completely by zombies and they're offering like zombie friendly meals like their vegetarian options um that i thought was really fun um the body shop again i can't i can't leave it alone it's so it's such a fun idea all the zombie stuff steven liked all the zombie stuff basically but like and i the support group of the the zombies that are like (sighs) yeah helping one another like come to terms with their death 
the yeah. but I wanted I wanted more out of I wanted to explore more the juxtaposition between like the vampires who kind of feel like this old world elite and the werewolves who just kind of felt like the the day laborers and the grunts like I kind of liked that I would love to see that explored more there's there's suggestions in the world building but I want to see it fleshed out in a way that helps this movie be better which I get that but if you want that go watch I don't know give me a minute you want me to list all the other vampire and werewolf movies and stories that do that exact same thing sure um point taken but you know i mean it gets to a point where you i think at this point you can't tell a vampire werewolf story without doing it that way anymore i'd love to see somebody try that's true um but i mean right down to like the vampires are selling their blood to get you know humans high like that's oh my god that's so fucking overdone what about the wooden bullets i thought that was clever that's that's lifted i'm pretty sure that's lifted right out of like hunter the reckoning which is the vampire the masquerade universe i know um um, hellboy does something similar to that in the first hero del toro movie as well he's got like bullets that are like filled with like silver and wolf's bane and wood and like all this like bits of cross and all the holy water and all this shit just so they can feasibly kill whatever they hit. Speaking of wooden bullets, you guys, the best part of this movie is a very nothing part of this movie. It's a very inconsequential part of this movie. Doesn't even need to be there, but it is what the rest of the movie should be tonally and visually. And it's when they flash back to him killing all of like the head monsters because that reminds me of cemetery man the first time when it's just like the shot and then the barrel of the gun and then the reaction and the barrel of the gun that was very cemetery man that reminded me of cemetery man a lot being a stinker right now um oh yeah because they do that exact same flashback twice completely unnecessarily like the second time just like we know bring it on because it's like i say it's stylistically what i want out of the rest of this movie how fantastic would that be that 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 would be something that gives noir like that's a set one of the like the only times that it's giving noir and that that almost makes me feel like because of the way that's shot and edited i almost makes me feel like maybe that is maybe a little teeny tiny hidden homage to cemetery man definitely maybe because it looks like it's right out of that fucking movie dude it's the exact kind of shit that's in every frame of that movie but so but that that scene though does that's where all of my plot hole lore questions come from like if he was chosen all those years ago to be the middleman and keep everybody in line, but then he goes rogue and kills the entire, you know, leader vampires, vampire and then, council, and then retires. Um, like gotta retire. On first top. of all, first of all, um, why wouldn't all the other monster clans punish him for doing that? Because that's what he's supposed to be doing is keeping things in line. I don't Second know, according of all, to Tay Diggs, maybe they were all wanting somebody to do that maybe they were all into setting him up to do that well he was he was was set up 
Right. If you men be correct. Well, sure. Well, but Tate the vampires want work. that, but what about the werewolves yeah. and the zombies or anyone the were- else? Yeah. Yeah, everybody else. Yeah, that that's the part I mean. Like, yeah, I'm just vamp- speculating. Vampires love a good power vacuum. They'll eat that yeah. shit up. Like, that's what vampires are all about. It's power. This dynamics. is this is common just vampire a, trait. A thing we know about vampires. Yeah. Yes. They they love and they gotta count matchsticks too, right? That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's depending, wild. Uh, depending on the lore. Yeah. Sometimes. That's my favorite. Like one that people rarely include, but when it's there, I'm like, oh, look at that. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> I like the not being able to cross running water. That's my favorite obscure one. That's good too. Yeah, I like yeah. that one too. It's fun. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, that question: Why did the other monster clans just let that happen? Um, and then after that, so if he retires, there's did somebody take his place? Is nobody else out there keeping all the clans in line? If there right. isn't, why didn't it? Why didn't everything just fall into chaos? Um, he was supposed to be making sure everybody stayed in their places. What did quest too many questions? We're These back are questions too many we questions. Have. And and how long was he out? Because you don't know if it's like a couple of years, if it's like decades, if he's really old, like it could have been who knows how much time. Yeah, a like lot of these characters no are immortal, so Yeah. And I mean it feels like a John Wick situation when he breaks the floor and finds his old bag of stuff and mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah. Wait, John you Wick guys, right is, down to the Peter Stormare appearance, really. Is John yeah. Wick hundreds of years old? Is he immortal? I mean, he's played by I've, Keanu Reeves. You do the math. No, I've never was... seen any John Wick. Is that part of the story? Is that like a weird like sci-fi thing? It they... unfortunately isn't. I kind of wish it was. Oh, it's fuck. Like, if John I was Wick like, I'll some... watch those movies now. Just like, a I tiny little bit of Supernatural them. in the lore, that'd be really cool. Instead, oh. it has some other cool lore. Um, Honestly, lore. I kind of like the lore of the John Wick franchise. It's yeah. pretty good. I just never seemed appealing to me. It, it's always like almost appealing. Like I say, if if he were an ageless being, I'd that would cross the threshold, and I'd be like, "Yep, gonna watch." You him know now. what? That can just be your head cannon if that gets you in. If that gets your foot in the door, just make that your head cannon, dude. Because ageless being that can cool. still die. I mean, Ian McShane is in those movies, so yeah, yeah. he sure is. I should probably look at most it. of yeah, the cast of all of those movies is pretty good. Larry Fishburne. Uh, Wait, isn't Homeboy um, from Corporate and The Wire and um, the 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 Remedy game with the guy from the following? Are are we, we really like doing the? Are we really What's doing the guess the actor thing again? No, uh, you know Lance, exactly. Reddick? Lance Reddick. Yes, Lance Reddick. Yes. Yes. Why did I yes. mention him? Because I went on such a thing there. Oh, because he's in those. He's in those movies. Oh. Yeah. Word. And yeah. He, and he got to complete his arc too. They didn't have to recast him. They didn't have to do all that. He, you know. Nice. So. Nice. Always good. nice when it happens good. Yeah. So I mean, okay, you should give them a shot. I would recommend them to you more than like making you watch the whole Saw franchise. Word. Which I'm still gonna do at some point. I just, you know, sure. at least there's only, I put there's it only off and then four John Wicks and not. That's true. Eight, nine, ten. 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 Sauce. Ten. Because the last one was X. X. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yep. Which seem to be eleven. The Romans will say is ten. With their numerals. Sure. Crazy Romans. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, what you doing there, Steven? Uh, just making some show notes. That's cool. I like that. I love that. Trying to get ahead, trying to get ahead of it. Um, no, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm way into that. But uh, but no, like uh, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about Dylan Dog. I'm sorry to say. I don't either, honestly. Um, there weren't any video games based on this franchise. I think it was which nah, feels well weird. to some. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't think, popular enough. Um, I, think I mean, like here, game. but in other countries, maybe. Well, not even. I mean, you don't really hear about. And that's well, kind of the problem is that it is like an American film, so mm-hmm. I don't even know. Like in Italy, where. Dylan Dog is a big deal if they even gave a shit about it. I yeah, mean, I, mean, I like, think anybody that's that familiar with the source material and they see that trailer, they're like, ah, no thanks. Well, also, and I mean, I could I could be just shoving my entire foot in my mouth right now, but like, I, please do. I don't entirely hear. I mean, do we know of a whole lot of like Italian game developers that would make a game about Dylan Dog? Like, you know, I'm I. I feel like maybe there's one or two, but I can't. I mean, you've got a lot in like Eastern Europe and even in places like Germany and France, but well, shit. You know, now I'm going to be on the lookout for Italian game There was a 1992 game uh, for DOS, it looks like. There's a link for you guys. I believe that. I believe it. I'll put anything out on DOS. Right? Especially back then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cool looks like uh, it, it called uh, Dylan Dog Murderers. Uh, there's yeah, also something called yeah. Dylan Dog Through the Looking Glass. I, that might be a different thing. But Are we on Steven's Video Game Corner right now? What the fuck is going yeah, on here, you guys? Maybe I should stop assuming video games don't exist for these things and actually <laughs> do my due diligence, I guess. Otherwise, Steven comes out here and steals my damn thunder. Yeah. Get the fuck out of my corner, Steven. This is my corner. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you're not invited to the corner, dude. No. You banished. Exile from the corner. Taking the thunder. This is my thunder fuck now. You get your own thunder. Get over in your corner. Well, fuck. Now I gotta start learning about Jesus. <laughs> Damn it. Good luck. Damn it. I don't want to learn about Jesus anymore. <laughs> nah, you oh, love nice. the Look Jesus lore, dude. Oh, this I mean, looks I love, cool. I love robotic exegesis. <laughs> yeah, we and know. This giant mech. Where <laughs> giant all, the, all the disciples have their own mechs and they combine into one giant Jesus. Yeah. Like, and you can't be mad at that. You <laughs> know. It's fantastic. And yet someone will <laughs> be. Could I ask guarantee for you. Yeah. It's fucking... Jesus would like that. From what I understand about the man, he would <laughs> think that was pretty funny, probably. <laughs> the Book of Voltron, chapter 3, uh, yeah, verse 7. Yeah, man. Fucking it. Now we're in every corner, man. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we're just with our corners combined. <laughs> Good I job, don't even you know guys. what this is anymore. Um, I feel like that, that, that probably summons, that probably summons hope. Actually, if we combine <laughs> all of the corners together, that probably summons hope. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. That, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. So. Yeah, good job, you guys. We talked about Dylan Dog. We did. Cool we talked that? about Dylan Dog. Probably not as much as, as some people would like, but hey, here's a thing I discovered while I was doing sure. like some cursory research for this. Um, there are a bunch of like Italian-made 
they almost look like student films based on Dylan Dog to the extent that I had to Google Dylan Dog public domain because I'm like, how can they actually make this shit? But like there are several Italian and they all came out after this movie. Uh, so they're all like 2014, 15, 2012. Well, I mean, copyright laws are different every where sure uh, and also i mean if it's a student film they're not making any money off of it so sure, but i but i couldn't tell based on like some of the artwork okay. and of course i can't find these films anywhere and even if i did the f- likelihood of them being subtitled is minimal um and dubbed even less so yeah i had no context for these other than i could tell the names of these films were italian uh, and there was definitely a character called Dylan Dog, and in many of them, a character called Groucho. So they were not worried go. about the Marx estate getting pissed. But yeah, no. Like I said, well, they published the comics with Groucho in Italy, so obviously things are different over there. Or maybe I don't know. I don't know how it works over there. Maybe they're Every just less worried different. about being pissing off the Marx estate. Yeah, maybe the Mars I mean, estate the, is just like we're not. You could have asked us. Like you didn't the, have to assume America. The character that we is is not actually Groucho though. It's a Groucho impersonator. Uh, is it though? In according to what I've read, yes. But I mm, there's some debate about that. There's some debate about. that. I sort of got the down. impression that yeah, maybe it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's an impersonator. You know. Mm, like, yeah. That's, it's that's kind of, it's, shit I, of I'm going to say like Groucho in in uh, the Dylan Dog comics, from what I understand, is like Elvis in Bubba Hotep. Mm. An unreliable narrator. But still, you're like, maybe, a di- I don't know. It's ambiguous is what I'm saying. Leaning heavily into it's actually Groucho Marx somehow. Okay. You know. Well played. Steven, give us the box office. I have to pee. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, So Dylan Dog comes out in uh, the United States on April 29th, 2011. And I just realized that I had pulled up the daily and not the weekend box office for that. So give me two seconds to get that pulled up. Here we go. Um, it opens at number 18 that weekend to a weekend box office total of $754,000 for its opening weekend. Uh, Domestically in the United States, it will gross $1.2 million, another $5 million uh, worldwide for a just a scant 6 million worldwide box office off of a $20 million production budget. Um, This. Yeah. One of, one of the worst box offices I've seen. One of the biggest oofs. Yeah. Of all times. Big damn oof. Um, In the top five this weekend at number one, my favorite entry in this franchise uh, that y'all just refuse to watch. It's fast five. Um, these movies fucking oh. slap opening new this, you know, week. who else, you know, who else loves the fast and the furious movies? Uh, people of good taste. 
Christopher Nolan. I Christopher you know. Nolan unashamedly loves Fast and the Furious movies They're based fun. on that recent interview he did. They're loves really them. fucking fun. I love that Christopher Nolan makes the highbrow shit that he does, but he still appreciates shit that's a little more fluff. It's a little more popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. it's the kind of artist I strive to be, honestly. It makes me respect him a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in second place, we've got the uh, 20th Century Fox animated film Rio. In three weeks, it has grossed about $100 million. Uh, in third cool. place, Medea's big happy family down from two in its second weekend. It's grossed about forty, forty-one million. Uh, in fourth place, Water for Elephants. Um, the fuck? Yep, that's that uh, Robert Pattinson, Reese Witherspoon movie. Okay, is it Reese Witherspoon? Could be Reese with a spork. It is Reese Witherspoon. I was right. Okay. Uh, in that's fifth really place, funny, you guys, you guys suck. And I mean, if it was funny, I'd, I'd pretty sure I would have laughed. But so, I mean, Steven, you don't know what comedy is. I will tell you better than any joke in Dylan Dog. Hey, I win. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Made her. Wow. Um, wow. In fifth place, a movie called Prom, but not the like musical from a few years ago. Just another movie called that? Prom. What the, what the fuck is this week? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's and it's a movie I don't recognize either. Like I don't, I don't recognize this movie. It it made about ten million dollars worldwide, so it still did better than cool. Dylan Dog. Um, yeah. in sixth place, Hoodwinked Two: Hood versus Evil, also opening this weekend to four million dollars. Cool. Uh, in seventh place, Soul Surfer, one of those religiously movies about a surfer who gets her arm bitten off. Uh, in eighth place, Insidious. Speaking of James Wan, in ninth place, future episode of this podcast, Hop, and in tenth place, Source Code. That on my voodoo. Hey, uh, that movie's really, really good. Did I tell you guys I watched that and it was really, really good? That's what I've heard. You're not the first person to tell me that. Yeah. Uh, Past and, and future just, guest, Samuel Dumas, I believe, is a, is a fan of that film. I had never heard of it before, and then just randomly a couple months ago. Uh, I was watching a YouTube video and somebody mentioned it and I was like, the fuck? How have I not seen this? Luckily, it was streaming and I watched it. Man, that's a fantastic movie. If you guys haven't seen it, it's really, really fun. Really I, fun. I I do also want to mention that Scream 4 in its third weekend has dropped down to number 13, which is a big ass bummer. Oh, damn. I really like that movie. That's I do, too. I we, think that's my that's fans. my favorite Scream film. It's it's number it. two. It's, it's number, number two for me. For, yeah, Love after the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Tomatometer score on Dylan Dog Dead of Night is a 4%. Um, Ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Critics consensus an uninspired, feebly acted horror comedy that produces little scares and laughs. Um, the meta score is uh, 31, uh, generally unfavorable based on 10 critic reviews. And the letterboxed score is a 2 point three tucker out of five stars how are you rating at 2010 or 11s i guess dylan dog i'm giving it two stars because i really want it to be good and i really want to like it and there's just enough stuff in this movie that i keep coming back to it 
Mm-hmm. Even though I keep getting disappointed every time, I keep getting drawn back to it. So it's obviously doing something right. Mm-hmm. Uh, two stars. Two stars. Brett, what about you? I, this may surprise you, gave it three and a half. <gasps> hey, okay. Hey, okay. Hey. I expected a three tops, but okay, wow. No. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. No. Nice. My gut reaction was a three and a half. Will it drop to a three? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? And Not and before I, the end of this podcast. No. No. Because we're, no. we're coming in for a landing. Um, and I, I gave it two as well. Um, did not did not really care for this one. Um, there There's some elements I liked, some ideas I liked, but it feels like an exercise in wasted potential, as I mentioned once or twice on this episode. So um, if if the TV show does get made, I, I hope it's able to extrapolate on the things that this film does well and leave behind a lot of the shit that it doesn't. Well, if the Dresden Files TV series is any indication, they won't. So... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there it is. That is our discussion on Dylan Daug. Dylan Daug. There it is. We've all been Howling waiting for at it. at my back door. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we have been the Disenfranchised Podcast. Hey, while you're on the internet, just, just trolling around. If you, you think about it, you want to help us, uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Leave us a nice, juicy five-star rating and review. That really goes a long way to help us find other people. You can be like Brandy who left us a five-star review. And as we said a couple weeks ago, you leave one, we'll read it. Um, She says, the chemistry between the three hosts is so great, and I always have so much fun listening to this podcast. They're funny, and they cover a wide variety of movies. Brandy, thank you. Love it. We appreciate you. Uh, In addition to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can now find the Disenfranchised Podcast on YouTube Music and Amazon and audible so we are now in all of those places as well so there is no excuse we are now existing everywhere you get podcasts uh so you're welcome we're like santa claus dude we're everywhere yeah man we see you Our when you're sleeping. influence increases we know when you're awake we're 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 like the mighty cthulhu always resting but ever aware better fucking be good man yeah man yeah man dude. Yeah, i dude. saw that yeah Anyway, um, you can also look if you, and if you want to help us out a little more, you've already left us the five star rating in the in the review. You want to help us out a little more, you can drop some money on us over at patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. For five bucks a month, you get access to just days, days of extra podcasts that we've made, um, including our weekly What Are We Watching show, our recent um unenfranchised episode on the Rage Carry 2. Uh, episodes completely devoted to video games called Upsal Video Game Corner. Episodes completely devoted to Jesus called Upsal Christianity Corner. Um, if there's something we do on this feed that you like, we probably do a lot of it behind that paywall as well. And some other different stuff as also. So check that out. That's patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. We do exist on social media. You can find us on Blue Sky, Facebook, Instagram, and letterboxd and youtube at disenfranch pod i am your host Stephen foxworthy you can find me on instagram letterboxd and blue sky at chewy walrus brett give the people what they want that is to say your social handles um i am on uh 
Blueski Instagram letterboxed. Is that everything? I haven't done this in so long. Um, I think I think you're I think you're good. Yeah, I think that's okay. it. Okay, uh, it's sus underscore warlock, except for on Blueski, where I'm just sus warlock because they don't like underscores. Um, yeah, come come sign come sign up for Blueski now. They're not invite only anymore. Yeah, on, I've got a party. I've got, I've got all these invites. I have nothing. I just nothing to do with. So no. Well, Thank yeah, you. and now now they're useless because yeah. they're they're not invite only anymore. So they come on over, work, Stephen. Make make Bluesky, you know, relevant because it's still kind of it, boring. It's still so much better than X, though. It is. You're now not that wrong. Elon's turned it into four chan, which is why I want to see it thrive. Yeah. Because I've been proved it based on some feedback we've gotten from some listeners, which I very much appreciate. Um, it's been improved um, once I implemented those things, but uh, still could use a little bit more engagement. Sure. Understood. Right on, Tucker. Anyway, where, can we find, where can we find you on socials these days? Uh, currently listening to Mr. Blue Sky in my head, like I always am when you guys mention Blue Ski. Mr. Um, Blue, you did it right. But I wanted to. Tonight. I wanted to mention uh, that it's really great uh, to support us with reviews and ratings and on the Patreon. But you know, my local NHPR station has been doing their winter pledge drive, and it got me thinking. Look, if you guys want to put the podcast in your will, that's literally something you can do. Oh, wow. So maybe you don't have the money now, but you plan on being rich in the future. And then at some point, hopefully many, many years in the future, passing on, put us in your will, put us in your estate. You know, it's not an immediate, it's going to, you're going to live to at least 80, I think. So just throw us in there. It's, I'm just saying it's an option. It's an option. Okay. It's, it certainly is. You don't have to do it. I don't. I don't think that we should take cars for donation, though, because I don't really want to deal with all that. But no, that's a lot of paperwork. Will. We do not have tote bags, unfortunately. Uh, maybe one day. We'll maybe see. some hot beverage thermal mugs and free balloons for the kids. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into that as well. <laughs> some shot glasses as well with the disenfranchised branding on it. Uh, or our or faces even better, or the... mugs. Dude, yeah. Well, Brad already said mugs, hot beverage oh. mug. That's true. Not the, yeah, dude. Fucking a, the plastic kind, not like porcelain. Anyway, you can find me on Instagrams and the YouTubes uh, at ice nine oh nine. That's I C E N I N E. The number zero and the number nine. Uh, also on Instagram, of course, is Tuck Mugs. That's Tuck underscore Mugs. Uh, it's our little like mug collecting and appreciating community, man. It's a fucking community now, you guys. A lot of it's, guest mugs recently, and a lot of a lot of people who have had more than one guest mug. Yeah, we've got a few returning guests, particularly since the new year started. Yeah, yours send, truly. Send me, send Same. me your entire collection. I don't care. Like, just give me posts till the end of time. Let's let's make a really cool Instagram spot. There you go. For it's for mugs and though. mug enthusiasts. Uh it's mugs, really any glassware or drinkware. Um shot glasses are accepted. Um even I'd do teacups if you got a really cool teacup or something. 
anything mm-hmm. you can drink out of, even like a travel mug. We've had travel mugs on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no I big did my look. collection of like tankards and yeah, old school Western, whatever the fuck you would call those. I My first submission was a tiki mug that looks like Gizmo. What are you drinking out of, everybody? Let us know. I want to right see Right now it. I'm drinking out know of about my it. Bluth Company pint glass from Arrested oh, Development. I like that. And I'm drinking out of my Bigfoot Saw Me But Nobody Believes Him mug from Michigan. Hey, 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 I like that. You know, it's nice. just important that he believes in himself. Damn. That's really the important thing. I'm drinking out of a, a nat- natural light can. You are. Because that's what my beer came in, so that's pretty rad is it yeah i like natural light it's it's a good shit beer it's the kind of beer that like you don't have to finish it at the end of the night because it's going to taste exactly the same in the morning yeah my my favorite shit beer is is old style man i maybe it's the chicago style is good it is good just about every beer is shit beer so you know that's also fair (laughs) definitely an acquired taste for most people I just had to find the right one, and then it opened up a whole new world for me. There you go. A I new fantastic point of view. Where? Yeah, I found, no I found some good ones. Didn't change my mind, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, that is all we've got for you today. Um, and be sure to join us next week where we've got another episode of this podcast um, planned and going to come in at you. So um, until next time, uh, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy. This has been the Disenfranchised Podcast for my co-hosts, Brett Wright and Tucker. Until next time. Oh, shit. I was going to keep singing Mr. Blue Sky, but I forgot where I left off. Now, you, know they, you know what they say about the end of podcasts. <laughs>